0: Welcome, film fans, to That Reminds Me Of uh, with Baron and the Doc. Hello, this week. I bre- I cut you off. <laughs> Classic. That's what I do. That's what you do. That's okay. <laughs> uh, you can continue the intro, Baron. Oh, I was just going to say hi. Um,
1: but also that this is the podcast where we talk about films and the films that we're reminded of when watching those films. It's spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't you hate a spoiler, go see it before you listen to this. Otherwise, carry on.
0: And this episode we'll be carrying on with Enola Holmes, director Harry Bradbeer.
1: It's the latest Netflix film, which is exciting. Yeah. We've been enjoying these.
0: Were you looking forward to this one or was it just one that you wanted to watch because it was in the in the Netflix queue?
1: I think because it was in the Netflix queue, I'm also generally a fan of Millie Bobby Brown. I just think she's she's great. And mm. I was curious more than anything. And it looked like fun. It looked like one I might be able to watch with my girls.
0: Yep. And it looked like a like a it would just be a bunch of fun overall. And a bit different, yeah, like a bit um we haven't had a film quite like that. We tend to veer towards the more adult themes. Right. Yep. <laughs> um,
1: with Mulan as the exception before this oh, one. Oh, yeah, we've done a couple of, but no, that's right. It's it's not the sort of film we generally get into, which is interesting because I think this film is is heavily sort of targeted at teenage girls probably. Mm. And here
0: you've got two, two dudes, uh, middle aged dudes, I guess. <laughs> so, look, we'll, we'll talk a bit later about who it's targeted at, because I think that's a, a whole conversation Absolutely. in its own right. Uh, but how about synopsis straight away? I think it's my turn. Yes, please take it away, Doc. Okay. Well, this is the story of Enola Holmes, who is the younger sister of the famous sleuth Sherlock. Anola, played by Millie Bobby Brown of Stranger Things fame. It starts with a sequence of her upbringing by her somewhat eccentric girl power mum, played by Helena Bonham Carter, uh, and then suddenly her mum disappears in a puff. And that sparks her two brothers, Sherlock and Mycroft, to come back to the family home and reacquaint with Enola, who they didn't know very well. And they find that she's kind of like a wildling child and not not at all what they think a, woman, a young woman should be. Uh, they want to send her off to finishing school. She wants to go on a search uh, to find her mum. Instead of going to finishing school, she finds some clues about her mum's whereabouts and gets on a train to London to solve the mystery. She gets sidetracked by plot B, <laughs> Which is that um, this young chap called Chewsbury, uh, who has his own dilemma. He's being chased. He's got and... the classic
1: guy with the funny little hat
0: chasing him. That's that's right. One of those ones. Yes. And and the the remainder of the film is really these two two plots side by side. One is a Norwa, uh helping Chewsbury to not get killed by this guy who's been paid by by his family nonetheless to have him have him dead, and also her search for her mum. And ultimately, she finds her mum. She saves Tewkesbury, and who conveniently ends up being a lord who has the final passing vote for some bit of important legislation to give women uh, rights of some description. I can't remember what they were. Suffrage, I think it was, or that, at least that was part of it. Well, yes, that's that's what she finds. Her mum, Helena Bottom Carter, has run off with the women's suffrage movement to. Do all these sorts of um, violent political acts in, in the name of women's rights? That's
1: right. And I'll just add the uh, the final kind of bow that's tied off is that she wins the respect of her brother Sherlock Holmes by the end, which is seems to be important. And that's probably mm. because he's just the most well renowned, you know, detective in the in the land. He's famous for it. And uh, she's a detective in her own right, but she has to prove herself throughout all of this.
0: And does she prove herself to you, Baron? Did you enjoy Enola's story? I actually really enjoyed this film. I had a great time watching it. I,
1: my, my daughters did not enjoy it. They were too young for it, I think. Mm. So I think we got five minutes in and I, I, I just hit pause and said, okay, we'll just wait. We'll wait till the girls are off to bed because they're, they're not into it. And I guess the age range, so my oldest is nine. Mm. I feel like the age range is maybe starts off around 11 or 12 and maybe it's in that zone, 11 or 12 to 16, say, which is fine. Edith and I watched it and we had a great time. We thought it was really fun. Mm. And I think the reason it's fun is not so much any of the plot driven stuff that you've just talked about. Yeah, It's, uh, it's, the cracking pace that it has is part of the fun but it's almost entirely Millie Bobby Brown just nailing the performance and being charming as hell and being extremely watchable the whole way mm. through so you know I think that's what it comes down to it's totally her show
0: yeah it is isn't it yeah. i had all the same feelings uh, i a few minutes in i was worried i was quite nervous But the whole um, breaking the fourth wall is a big feature of this. And she's always talking to the camera. And in the first few minutes, while I was enjoying the pace, I was worried that I would, that would really wear thin. Um, Mm. I think one of the first jokes was when she fell off the bike and... Said cycling is not one of my core strengths. <laughs> yeah, and
1: that's all right. I, I had the
0: same at that moment. I was like, "Ooh, this could
1: go downhill quickly."
0: If I if I saw that line again, I think I'd like it because she really won me for the rest of the film. But I thought it was a pretty lame joke to to open with. Um, I agree, and yeah, I was worried, but not for long.
1: We've talked about the for- breaking the fourth wall a couple times. I can't remember when or why, but we have and. This mm. film is just so heavy with it that it it merits a long discussion. I think just to get to just to talk about when it works, when it doesn't, and you know it can it can really break a film if you do it wrong, which I don't think is what happened here. I think you're right. It looked like it could have gone really off, but uh, Millie is a good enough actress and charming enough to carry it, and I think charm is a part of it. If you're mm. going to break the fourth wall, that character. Has to win you over. They have to be charming as hell, and you have to want to have a chat with them on the side of the story going on. It's a, like Ferris Bueller. They need to be as charming as Ferris Bueller, which is what we've got here as well. I think.
0: Yeah, she was. I agree. You talk about it, the possibility of it breaking a film. Like maybe that's why it's called breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it 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 really is break. It, it is literally breaking the convention of film and if you're going to break the rules you really need to know how to do it properly but she she did it great one of the bits that stood out to me was the 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 guy was trying to drown that her in the water drowning scene oh my gosh and yes. then she winks she winks at you under the water and that was just beautiful
1: that wink was partly grotesque and and partly charming it was there was something about it that made me sit mm-hmm. up and just go oh that was strange but also amazing mm-hmm. You know, what a cool yeah. idea.
0: What a cool yeah. idea. What else on, on breaking the wall? Like, I think you, you mentioned we've talked about it before. I remember in uh, Five Bloods, that might have been Yes, It, when that's it was right. just one sequence that was kind of out of keeping with the rest of the film. So, it, it took you by surprise, which I, I liked. Mm. Um, this is more part of the film's DNA.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, Five Bloods felt like a... That was a Spike Lee take on breaking the wall and it mm. was... And it's something he's done before. It's almost done as a a separate technique to this. I think it's its it's its own category. But, yeah, that's probably what got us talking about it last time. Mm. It's interesting. So this director, uh, you said his name, Harry Bradbeer, uh, he's done a ton of TV, but most recently Fleabag. And Fleabag, if you've seen it, is heavy on this technique. There's loads of breaking the fourth wall, loads of little winks to camera, Little little looks uh, at just the right moment, you know, which basically brings the audience in as mm. like in in on the joke and makes you, alongside the main character, able to laugh at the other people in the scene, which is a really interesting technique. Uh, and it's the same things used to great effect in this, as mm. as well as just being almost like a a way of delivering narration or that inner world of the character.
0: Yeah, and, and straight off the back of last episode's film, um what was it called? It was so memorable. Uh... <laughs> the Devil All the Time. <laughs> the Devil All the Time. Yeah. We were so critical of the device used to tell the story being the narration. Yeah. And here they doubled down on narration and looked you straight in the eye and gave you the narration, and the other one didn't work and this one did. Yes.
1: So one of my favorite variations of this or or Um, shows that uses this i'm not it's not really reminds me of aside from this one technique house of cards like if there's if there's a show that brings you in with this technique it's house of cards and it brings you into the into the that the room of politics Mm. you know in 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 a way that just watching the scene play
0: out never would you know that that was really spellbinding when that first appeared wasn't it house of cards because even though we're all Familiar with the device of 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 breaking the wall, I felt that that one kind of broke new ground mm, in a okay. way. I don't know if it was just doing it in such a in that genre of show, perhaps like something that is very West Wing like, and then suddenly you're transported out of that, and you're or you're brought into it through through that character. But it really it really um, changed the game for this type of thing
1: absolutely and everything kevin spacey's personal like his 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 life aside and and the (laughs) the reality of who that person is right he's a charming bastard like and he pulls it off so so well and he's just he's also a great actor so um you know i think the way that he could carry that in that show is what we see with millie in this in this show as well like
0: well, let's talk Millie. So you you love you loved her before this. So you really rate rate her in general.
1: I just I'm I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. I yeah. I, I love that show, and I think she's great in it. Um, I also like that. Well, I think she's. I think from the way she's become famous through Stranger Things has set mm. her up. She can play that. She can play a whole bunch of roles now. I'm really curious to see where she goes next. But mm. a little bit like Helena. You know, she has the freedom. I think to break a lot of conventions and just play odd, oddball characters, yeah. um, play really strong female characters, to, and do kind of anything she wants from here. I really mm. hope she doesn't get trapped into a Hollywood starlet thing of heading down a path where it looks dependent, or you know, yeah. like because I think she has the smarts and the um, the talent and that foundation to do all sorts of wonderful things from here out. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: She reminds me immensely of Emma Thompson. Yes. yes. Of a Emma. young Emma Thompson who I think all those things that you said apply to her in that she's not, you know, she's attractive, attractive but not known for that. You mm-hmm. know, there's nothing – she just can play any role, be it comedy, drama, and she's not seen – through the lens of gender or anything to me. She's just a, a strong actor. I agree. And she
1: oozes like personality and strength. Mm. Like you can put her in all sorts of roles and she's going to own it, you know? And they totally. kind of look a little bit similar to me. I'm curious to see what she does next. She's kind of, she's made a couple Godzilla films, which I haven't seen. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting. And um, there's like a, there's a, there's a little bit of TV in there be, be, before Stranger Things, but really Stranger Things is what sort of catapulted her. And what a cool show to be catapulted through, you know. <laughs> what a great yeah. show.
0: Well, it, it's true, but like, I probably came to it not quite as decided on her as you did. Like I love St- Stranger Things as well, mm. but I'm not sure that it's her performance that I love about it. You know, there's... Yeah. I'd I'd rate her midfield at best as far as why I like Stranger Things. Um nothing against against her but she was unproven to me before this and that's why I probably my early thoughts were, "Oh, can I can she hold my interest?" <laughs> um mm, that she did.
1: A fair call. And and have you seen both seasons of Stranger Things? Yep. Yeah, so that was including the arc from season 1 to 2 because they really needed to change her character a little bit by the second season, or else it, it, mm. was, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, look, I agree. I think in some ways it's the it's the idea of her in Stranger Things that is the strongest part of yes of that of of. That character. It's sort of the idea of that character. It's a little bit like any of those spy movies that Luc Besson has made with with like a female a spy or who's sort of grown up uh, under really strange conditions and become a bit of a superhero. Mm. Like the it's the idea of that character that's really appealing and, and, and interesting. But I think she does a, I think she does a solid job. Um, and man, she's like won the hearts of so many people.
0: Mm. Through that, through that role. And she's so, like the positive um, reflections I'd have on her would have been from just interviews she's done and stuff like that. She really holds herself well as yep. a person, I think.
1: I think that's part of it too, definitely. Mm. Speaking
0: of women, <laughs> uh, this obviously had a, from the very start, had a strong female feminist Girl power message to it. uh, Yes, set up very nicely in the relationship with um, Helena and Anola in the the start. What did you make of that theme? Like like sometimes for me, it can be a bit heavy when that you know the feminist stuff is is rammed down your throat. Did you have any thoughts on how well or otherwise this was done here? I thought it was a little heavy-handed, but then.
1: I also think that with young adult books and films sometimes you can get away with that. Mm. You know, like you, you can play the themes harder than than you would in a in a more adult film and I think it's okay. You kind of get away with it because you know what you're in for. Like, you mm. know, and the fact that the guys are sort of so useless, all <laughs> of the men are useless, like that bothers me usually. Yeah. You know, when when a film is trying to sort of tip the balance one way and it goes too far yeah uh but at the same time i didn't mind it and and henry cavill who who plays sherlock holmes is just like such an adonis of a male like he's just (laughs) like the ultimate man right um that i was joking with edith like there's only so many films you can put that guy in and take him seriously and they all have to be like superman basically and uh and the fact that they, they made him Sherlock Holmes was kind of funny. Like he's, mm. it just, that just made me laugh, you know, that the greatest mind is also the, the most attractive
0: <laughs> muscular person in the, in the world as well. Well, I really liked him for starters in this role. I thought he was so generic in a way, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, um, I don't know, true and honest not not perfect cuz like he's complicit in a lot of the you know bad behavior but just a, a real um steady center of the film like you know the the whole storyline is based on the fact that she's his sister so he really is a central thing and to have him so stable in a way really grounded the film in in something but as to all the the feminist stuff that i, I would normally think that's Heavy-handed, but I didn't play that way for me at all. I thought it was really nicely done throughout. Oh, um, good. I felt like you, and I think this this goes goes into the um, the positive effect of the breaking the wall stuff. She brought really brought you in as an audience, so you're cheering for her. You're not cheering for feminism or anything. You're just going on this journey with her, and you're interacting with an environment that's oppressive. With her, so it's almost not even a woman's perspective. It's just a human perspective, and mm. um, I, I just bought into it. I thought it would be as good a film for a little boy as it would be for a little
1: girl. I think you're totally right. Like I would have loved this film when I was younger Mm. Um, for all those reasons. I don't think I would have even thought about it being a feminist movie. Like I I think I would have just gone, this is a cracking story about a young person in an adult's world um, who's proving herself amongst all these people who think they're great minds and they know best. And yet Mm. she's the one that's proving them time and again that she's, she actually knows better than they do. So I think it works Mm. totally on that level as well. You're right. It's, it's the same thing as, as, House of Cards bringing us into politics uh, through that breaking of the fourth wall. This does this this works in just the same way, I think.
0: Mm. It just brings us in, and you can you can just enjoy the ride. Then, and, and there's also the the character of I think his name's Tewsbury or Tewkesbury. or yes, Tewkes?
1: the, He's got like a four parter, uh, yeah,
0: but... Lord so and so Tewkesbury. <laughs> but he was he was pretty cool, and he was a you know a also bucking. The trends like she's a bit of a tomboy and he you know is into flowers and, and that's that sort true. of thing and i think she you know she's being sent off to finishing school he's trying not to be sent off to the army uh, so it it plays equally both ways and also reminds you
1: that that's what happens when you're a little bit of an outsider sometimes you need to find another outsider in the world to to get along with and mm. to make it through
0: i love this line i wrote it down um she said something like, there are those that want to hurt him and he hasn't got the strength to stop them, but I have the strength. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. I thought that just summed it summed it all up and that's such a powerful message and I can just imagine being a little chick <laughs> sort of and just thinking, oh, I've got the strength too. Yeah, yeah that's true. I can do anything.
1: There were, lots of, uh, there were lots of good themes like that. Like there was the um, jiu-jitsu move that she never could quite nail, the corkscrew, yeah, yeah. which you knew at some point, well, towards the end was going to come into play and she was going to nail it, which she does. Mm. Um, on the the theme of all the, the men kind of being useless or just sort of not really what the stories are surrounding and the women being the, the main power here, um, mm. there's major spoiler here, but there's the big twist at the end where you discover that, it's not the uncle that's the mm. big bad guy it's the grandma who you've met early on and thought was a good was a good guy and turns out to be the the major schemer in in, in the whole thing
0: that was a great twist wasn't it yeah, so it was the good. again the um the man who was meant to be the yeah the the bad dude ends up being completely you know pathetic and nice guy and uh, yeah a lot of power yeah. in being the evil the mm. evil one as well
1: Interesting choice that the only man sort of getting his hands dirty throughout this whole thing is mm. the the bowler hat dude, the the little creepy assassin who's who's chasing them around the whole time.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, interesting. But it, it works. Wouldn't have thought it would never didn't think about it until just now that um, he's really the only man that seems to be in there making moves. Um, the rest are sort of off to the side while the women. Make Mm. all the moves.
0: He's just a cartoon device though, isn't he? That's true. Absolutely. He's got no real um, character or presence or anything. He's No, he's the man man with the scar on his face, basically. I I don't know (laughs) if he
1: does, but, you know, like in every other film, he'd have a scar going across his face like this and a a funny hat or a funny moustache, and that's sort of how you know that he's the bad guy.
0: Yeah, (laughs) pockmarked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. (laughs) How about the look of the film? Do you have any thoughts about well, what? I had a quick look and uh Giles
1: Nutkins That's Nutkins. Nutkins. Yeah, cool. That's cl- clearly how his name's said. Yeah. Anyway, he he's the cinematographer and he shot Hell or High Water, which is a film that I freaking love. Ah, okay. And is nothing like this film. And mm. I need to go look up some of the other films that he's shot, but I thought there is a real uh richness and and depth to what what we're seeing here—it's clearly like colourful and poppy, mm. and, um, and in keeping with that fast-paced, uh, action-oriented like mm. filmmaking that we've got. But I thought he did—I I, I thought it was well put together.
0: I thought it was very slick, and he did a good job. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I probably just got swept up in the story for most of it, but then it was in the final shot that I think was um, it, the camera. Uh, Panned up and was on the sky, skyscape of London yeah. and the rooftops and the smoke and the chimneys and and that I thought that looked really cool and uh, even though I hadn't quite noticed that vibe up till then I thought yes that's that feels like the world we've been in you know
1: absolutely and you know we we were seeing London without paved roads and with mm. uh, sort of just at, as we're about to get into automobiles like the very beginning of of Mm. uh you know cars with engines which are actually more like bicycles with giant bicycle (laughs) wheels and and (laughs) steam engines or something (laughs) i don't know but yeah um so it's 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 an interesting world and i thought it was for a netflix film the budget seemed pretty enormous and it Mm. seemed well well done so yeah, okay. So we we all all loved it. Um, Look, I, I don't have anything really negative to say about it. I was thinking about it afterwards and thought, well, the film isn't necessarily something that I'm going to go back to watch again anytime hmm. soon, but for what it is, it set out what it set out to achieve, it just did a really great job of that. Yeah. Just, it's a good film for what it's trying to do.
0: Yeah, I I I'm the same. I when we finished watching it, Wendy and I, I I remember two or three times saying I really I really liked that film. <laughs> it was just fun, wasn't it? And like it's I wouldn't class it in my top films or anything. I just didn't expect to like it, I don't think. And and then did.
1: Yeah. You know, when, when I saw the trailer and the trailer gives you a really good sense of what the fast pace of this film is going to be. Mm.
0: You
1: from the trailer you get you, you know exactly the sort of film you're going in for, right? Mm. It's got the it's got the talking to camera, it's got the music that's just not like wall to wall music it's got the fast pace lots of action lots of bumping like jump cuts straight into the next thing you know mm. no almost zero dwelling on anything right um so when i saw that i thought this could be this could be pretty bad like i i i'm, yeah. I'm not certain about this how, how this is going to work in the same yeah. way that you know something like uh guy richie doing king arthur is bad right that like, you just <laughs> no. Yeah, and, I, and I remember seeing the trailer and going, ooh, ugh, don't know about that. And, yeah. then I, and then I finally brought myself to watch it and realized that I was completely correct and it was terrible. It, this seemed like it could go that way, but hey, it's actually pretty good. And the whole mm. action and fast-paced kind of craziness of it really, really works. They just got it right.
0: That included... That that was from the start, wasn't it? I was really impressed with the the first sequence, just how much storytelling was done in that first bit and how quickly... They moved from understanding who the the mum was and her having disappeared, and the and the mystery um, beginning. It was a little bit like the setup. I don't want to get into. Reminds me of, but yet, but the setup of nineteen seventeen that I know you loved so much. Yeah, uh, that just did a really succinct job of, of of setting setting it up.
1: Absolutely. Another thing that this film did, which I've I'm coming more and more to appreciate, and I'm just trying to remember where exactly they did it. But I know it's happened, in, happens in there a couple of times. It's just calling out the thing that you're thinking. You know, there's if you have any little bit of disbelief, mm. if a character in the scene goes, "Well, that's ridiculous," <laughs> yeah. then it's okay. Suddenly, you know what I mean? As long as someone mentions it, then yep. it's fine. You know, and this I think this film leans on that quite a bit and does that really well, which is which is a good technique to take in, you know, take in mind when you're, when you're working on your own thing. <laughs> That's but true. I've seen it in uh, just recently. I've been watching Watchmen on mm. HBO, which is an incredible show, but there's a scene in that series where uh, you've got the classic person who's a hostage, they're tied to mm. a chair, and the bad guy is about to un- reveal the whole plan, and she just goes, oh, no don't even. And he's like, what? It's like, don't you, you're about to tell me your whole plan. I, I don't care. And it's just great. It's great. Yes. We need more of that. That's
0: so true. Yeah. it um, yeah. Just one of those things that gives you a bit of respect, doesn't it? And you think, I, okay, well, yeah, let, let them do it then. But as long as they know they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I've I got one question or conversation topic that was probably the only thing that I just can't work out about this film, and that is, really, who the audience is. So, you said before that it, it, your girls are too young, mm. and you thought maybe eleven to sixteen or something. I think you said. Yeah. But it's rated M, and in Australia that's fifteen plus. Mm. So, I just I found myself wondering, like through through most of the film, I think it would would have been fine for a younger audience, but then when the it starts to get very violent towards the end. Um and yeah, I suppose I think does. The, the M rating is probably justified. Uh but then I thought, well if it's if suddenly you're not meant to see it unless you're 15, then maybe you're too old. I agree.
1: I agree. Yeah. I think a lot of this messaging seems like it's targeted at like a twelve year old, you know? Like Yeah. This is this is formative stuff. You're a young woman becoming well, you're becoming a young woman right mm. and these are the sorts of things you should start thinking about by 15 you're sort of it's not that it's too late but like a lot of the messaging seems like it's targeted just at someone a bit younger
0: mm. you're interested in different things yeah by that's, 15. Right. <laughs>
1: that's right that's right you're not off
0: solving uh <laughs> <laughs> solving nancy solving... drew riddles yeah. <laughs> exactly with that's scrabble right. pieces no that's right exactly uh, so that, that that's a that is a problem for me i i I enjoyed it because I just channeled a twelve-year-old girl, I guess. See, and this I is thought, where have, how wonderful.
1: I have a problem with the rating sometimes because uh, you know this doesn't feel like an M rating to me. Although I agree, mm. some of the scenes get a bit, you know, a bit little bit graphic towards the end, mm. um, or it gets darker anyway. But uh, I, I would, I would confidently show this to a to a eleven, twelve-year-old. I was going to show it to my to my girls and without hesitation. So I don't know. Mm. Just I guess it's. Up to the
0: discretion of parents, but waiting till fifteen, you know, seems a bit crazy for this one. It does, but you don't know that in advance. If you're if you're someone true. Who, who uses those as, as a guide, yeah, then true. You just you're not going to see it, and um, people will watch it when it's too late, and they've already, you know, they've already subscribed to the patriarchy. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: What else? What else? I think we can move
1: on to, re- to to reminds me of. I actually don't have many, but I wanted to just throw out a list of fourth wall films because I just thought that's fun, right? Okay, let's have a have fourth wall table tennis. Yes, let's do it. So we've talked about Fleabag and House of Cards. Mm. Alfie
0: was one I thought of, and it's an uh, is that with Michael Caine. Michael Caine, and then Jude Law later. Ah, uh, of course. Yep, I'm gonna steal one of yours because I know you'll say it. Deadpool. Oh, I didn't think of Deadpool. Ah, oh, <laughs> classic. Yes. Deadpool's great. Uh, Fight Club. Yeah, okay. I let you say that one. That nice. was going to be one of mine. <laughs> uh, the best of all, Annie Hall. Ooh. It wasn't on scene. my list. Yes. Beautiful scene where Woody is in the queue overhearing someone talking, you know, highfalutin nonsense and then just walks up to the camera and starts complaining that this guy, you know, is, is making a fool of himself. <laughs> awesome. High fidelity as the classic, uh, yeah. here's the
1: things I love about so-and-so. Have you got more? Ferris Bueller, we've already mentioned. That's all I've got off the top of my head. I'm sure there's tons more, but those are the ones that I think, mm. I think we've we've covered the main ones where there's a lot of talking to camera. There's mm. the occasional, like, there's a really weird moment in Into the Wild, just towards the very end of the film mm. for no reason the kid just looks straight at the camera, and you get like this odd wink to camera, and then yeah. the, then the film continues. So those sorts of films are a, a different thing.
0: When I really like it is is when in, in times like that when it's not part of the the main device of the film, and it's just thrown in there like that. That's when it just gets me, you know, where it hurts. Uh, <gasps> like, um, and I think we've mentioned this before in Funny Games. I games. think I think it's done a, a lot with, as well as a lot of other tricks, <laughs> yeah. um, but so I think this is a riskier move to have it part of the whole damn thing. But you know, it pay, it pays off absolutely. Any any remind me ofs for you? Anything that sprung to mind? Uh, none that are very deep, but I've got a few sort of surface level type ones, and it tends to be I te- with these things. They tend to remind me of things that I'm watching. Now, like there seems mm. to be so much crossover, you can find similarity, similarities with things. Um, Umbrella Academy, which I'm watching at the moment, the setup that the father dies and that brings all the siblings back, the dysfunctional siblings back together to solve the mystery of the father dying. So, awesome. I think the setup of this was, was a little, a little the same. There's a whole bunch of those actually didn't even think about it in, in in those
1: terms, but there's a whole bunch of those sorts of movies and shows where someone in the family dies and everyone comes in. Um, yeah, true. One, one that I've seen recently is Succession. Yeah. And it's not that the father dies, but he gets a stroke and it looks like he's about to die and everybody swoops in for the fortune and then mm-hmm. like who's going to take over the, basically become the
0: next next in line. I guess that's in a way the typical way that, um mystery things are structured, aren't they? Mm. So I'm thinking of Knives Out. I just 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 thought of that as well. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. And and Knives Out
1: is kind of a good reference for this one in, in terms of just being a little bit offbeat and mm. the the pace and the style being a little kind of hyper, a little wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's interesting. Your shot?
1: I thought about Harry Potter a lot just in terms of the the audience. Mm. I was thinking this film could be, particularly if it becomes a franchise, which I think there's a really good chance of this that happening because this is a – this this the screenplay was written by Jack Thorne, but it's a Nancy Springer book and there's a series of them. It's like a young adult series mm. of Enola Holmes books. So I think there's a real potential for this to happen, right? Yeah. I and apparently Millie Bobby Brown – is a huge fan and her and her sister were sort of campaigning to make this into a film Mm. Uh, and she's one of the producers so i think you know there's considering this one's worked out pretty well i think there'll be more um so i think we have a potential for like a new harry potter style franchise to take off maybe not quite as huge as harry potter is but i think the way that harry potter Sort of influenced a whole generation of kids. Um, this could do something similar, particularly for young girls. So yeah, I hope so. In a way,
0: I've got a couple of offbeat book references. Okay. Uh, so one is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh, I've
1: seen the film, but not read the book. Well,
0: the play, right? The play. Um, yeah. So the it, it's all about in in Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, you've got Hamlet as the the main character. And Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are just bit part players. They're his his mates, and the, this play is is all about these guys that are off usually off in the shadows of the real play, uh, but now are the central characters. So you mm-hmm. see it all about them, and and uh, Hamlet is is just off in the on in the sidelines. So I don't know. I think that's the connection pretty obvious that um this is the Sherlock Holmes story in a way, but uh looking at one of the bit part characters. Love it. Hey, Tom Stoppard did Shakespeare in Love as well, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Are you a, are you a fan?
0: I've never really dwelt on it. I am I think I'm a fan, just I, I know that he's a talented bloke and that play is good and I think from memory I enjoyed the film. Mm. But I'm not a fan boy. I, I just respect him, I think.
1: I, I really like that film. It's funny. It's one of those ones that um, people sh- crap on a, a bit, but I mm. thought it was... It was just, I thought it was a great film. Um, I'm, I'm always curious because, it, it, you know, like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern feels like a more serious Tom Stoppard thing, right? And Shakespeare mm. in Love feels like something a little more frivolous and a little Hollywood in the end. Um, and I wonder how people who are, who are big fans rate it.
0: Well, I, I would say Rosencrantz and Guildenstern isn't serious at all, though it really is. They're almost comic characters in the play, in mm. Hamlet. And and that continues on in the Sopards' play. Sure, yeah. Any others for you? Uh, another one from left field is the naughtiest girl in the school by Enid Blyton. I don't know this. Does that one. ring any bell? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever read Enid Blyton as a kid?
1: I don't think I've ever. I don't think I ever have. No, I've seen the books around, but I've never read any. She wrote
0: things like the magic faraway tree and the wishing chair <laughs> and all these sort of magical. You know what? Can't. I have I have
1: picked up the magical faraway tree and read some of it to my girls at some point. So I have. There you go. It's Didn't even fantastic. Realize. It was yeah.
0: my favorite book for many many years. Really, my, my second favorite was the naughtiest girl in the school, <laughs> and it it has a a female lead, and um, she is she gets sent to boarding school, and she's an absolute rat bag and she just will not conform. And uh, and just it's her adventures of you know bucking the system. Uh, oh, I love it. I think I think she ultimately becomes a good girl and does um, conform a little. So I'd have to. I don't think I ever will reread it. But um,
1: <laughs> and would you recommend this for a nine-year-old girl?
0: I don't know. I would have. I would have back in the day, but things have changed, haven't they? I, I don't. I just don't know how progressive Enid Blyton really was. If you. If you would mm. to read it again, interesting. So I'd I'd want to skim well, through it first before recommending it.
1: We've been making our way through um, the Narnia Chronicles, and that's pretty old-fashioned as well. Like the the mm. girls get pretty. I mean, if you if you the girls get pretty lame stuff, right? And the the boys both get like swords and cool 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 mm. shit, right? <laughs> so um,
0: yeah, there's plenty of that. That's for sure. Well, it's funny that like that naughtiest girl book, you know, I was just a a little boy that you know loved the usual <laughs> boy stuff, but yeah. then this one really, really um, spoke to me, and it said it was all about a a little girl. Um, so I think we're capable as as humans to. um... absolutely as long as we've got parents that aren't going to shut that down right totally i think that's all from me i um i I had a a note about wes anderson just with the pace and the color oh i like that Um, yeah another about miss america the series of um kate blanchett played the role of uh, a true story of woman kind of arguing against the equal rights movement which reminded me of the grandma who was sort of standing in the way of progress.
1: She wouldn't be playing the character. There's a woman. I was just listening to a story on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and there was talking about how she had sort of come up against a woman in the mm. US that had sort of fought really hard for the, like you're saying, the opposite of of more rights for women. Um, that's the one. That's the one. Okay, interesting. Great. Yeah. That's- yeah. I've forgotten her name. Um, she's but. she's the one that basically makes the argument that women will lose lots of privileges if they have if they suddenly have to go to work and do
0: all these other things and
1: that that men do. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a right. it's
0: a great series. It shows all angles of of the debate. Like um, and and you you with you with all the characters at once. You just, you have sympathy also for Cate Blanchett's character. Yeah, mainly because she does such a great job right. of it yeah killer
1: actress Hmm. well i haven't got any more myself but we've we've gone through a bunch anyway so it's great i think we've done our job i think so well next week
0: i can't even remember what we're thinking about for next week but it'll be something good i'm sure no let's um (laughs) let's talk about it (laughs) offline and just bring another jam-packed show to our viewers and listeners next next episode absolutely all right cheers doc have a good one see you baron